0: welcome to the wildlife experience this is your host andrew austin all right guys well it's been a minute um i took about 10 months off and i didn't really plan to do that but life got in the way um last year was really interesting for me um spent most of last summer running around doing some pretty cool field work um i'd moved home early last year and that that it took up a lot of time. I'm working on this house uh, still currently. Uh, it's a real pain, but um, well worth it in the end. It's basically a free place to stay in the woods after I finish everything. So, um, But yeah, I was running around a lot throughout uh, the spring and the summer, doing a lot of field work. I was in South Carolina for a few weeks. Um, did a f- trip to Florida, had a lot of field work around Texas, and just life kind of got crazy and um, kind of got out of routine and uh, podcasting just wasn't something I wanted to do at you know at the time. Um, I really only like to do this when I'm really feeling good and you know have a decent routine, or else I feel like I'm just not going to put forth my best work. Um, but I am back in business now, um, and I'm really excited. I have some new gear, so the audio quality should be a lot better now. Um, I got a little pod track P4 is what it's called. It's a little, it's, uh, the brand is zoom, not to be confused with, uh, the, the website, zoom, the, the video conferencing app, it's a separate brand, but it actually can connect through zoom. So I can still use this gear to connect with, uh, to use when I'm recording on zoom with, uh, remote guests. So that's good. Um, but with this setup, I can actually record in person with people, um, which is great. You know, I've I've had this idea that I'm going to like start kind of planning my wildlife trips around who I can record with. And you know, it's like, it'd be cool to go out in the field with people and maybe even record out. You can record anywhere. This thing takes a little SD card. And, um, so yeah, you can, you don't have to have like cell service to record. So yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, fun stuff um, coming up hopefully for the podcast. Um, I did record twice this week. Um, my first guest was Tim Crawford. He's a herper. That audio wasn't great. Um, it was my first time using this setup and it just, I'm not exactly happy with it. Um, so I think I'm going to hold off on his and see if we can uh, circle back and record. If he ever comes to Texas, maybe do it in person Um, but, and then I recorded with Kelsey Filio and that's going to be this episode. Uh, Kelsey is a very passionate waterfowl hunter. Um, and she's been hunting her whole, her whole life. And, uh, she's just got some cool perspectives on hunting and her experience, you know, being a woman that hunts, um, and, you know, trying to encourage other women to, to get out and hunt. It's, you know, it's challenging for anybody to get into hunting, um, but it's, uh, you know, for, for a woman, it's especially hard because, you know, there's not a lot of other girls out there that hunt, so um, we talked a little bit about her experiences. Um, it was really fun. We were, we were actually at the, uh, the, the duck call shop where I work now, and I had mentioned it in this episode, but <clears throat> to give a more detailed explanation, I was offered a job working for one of the oldest duck call companies in the world. It's been around since 1959. It's a company I'm familiar with growing up in Southeast Texas. And it was a, a huge honor to, to get offered the job. And at first I was like, man, that's, that's cool. But, you know, I have my career going and you know, I'm not really interested in leaving. I have a really cool job. I have all these projects doing, you know, watershed restoration, wetlands restoration, all this stuff. Um, Really, really enjoying my life. So why would I leave? Um, but you know, life is really short, and I figured, you know, I might as well see what this is about. And I love to duck hunt. Um, I love duck calling. It's, it's really fun for me. Um, I happen to be pretty good at it. It turns out that's probably why I got offered the job. Um, my friend Jay Bruce is the one that hired me. He bought Sure Shot last year, 2020, I guess, two years ago. Um, i say, friends, we, we were acquaintances at the time. We had gone hunting before, and um, he played 14 years in the MLB. He was a very good baseball player, and um, I've always really um, enjoyed talking to him because he's someone that is extremely passionate about something, and I appreciate people like that a lot. That's kind of how I've lived my life. Um, so, yeah, when he hit me up to uh, help uh, to work for Shot. It was a, you know, it was a huge honor, and I thought about it hard for like two weeks, and talked to various mentors. I talked to Romy um, Swanson; he's one of my consider him one of my mentors. I talked to a few other mentors of mine. He's the only one that's been on the podcast, so I think, and uh, they all said the same thing. You know, they said, you know, you're young and your career is going well, but like you can you can go try this out and see where it leads, and it's turned out to be really cool. Um, even for my my wildlife career, because it's a very flexible job, and I'm still able to go out and do research with friends and like not have to feel bad about taking days off. It's it's kind of a kind of a get shit done schedule. Um, now it does come with a lot of resp- responsibility. Um, I've been hired to basically run the company, so I'm having to learn about business and these sorts of things. But you know, overall, it's it's a lot of fun, um, and having that flexibility to still pursue wildlife stuff is really important and that's something that was you know kind of offered to me from the beginning so it's uh it works out and also um jay has a a really cool uh, hunting property it's a 800 acre ranch that's full of isolated prairie pothole wetlands and ox like old oxbow wetlands um like really pristine natural wetland ecosystems with adjacent highly valuable prairie remnants and like live oak mods and like has it's one of the most unique properties I know of locally and he um I sort of asked but it, we, we kind of came to the conclusion together you know he's he's hired a wildlife biologist to run his duck call company he might as well utilize my background to help him manage his ranch and so that's Really, really cool. Um, you know, it's it's kind of informal. You know, but I'm st- I am writing up a management plan just to give us, uh, you know, a framework and you know make it more systematic um, when it comes to collecting data and like trying to decide what is the best way to attract more ducks. That's our main goal. It is primarily a duck hunting property, but there's a lot of room to um, enhance the uplands as well. There's a lot of tallow and pine and um, different trees that really don't belong there. This this property. You know, back in the, you know, 80s and early, there's, there was aerial imagery from 1939 out there. It was basically a coastal prairie with a couple of live oak woodlands kind of scattered throughout um, with, you know, these prairie pothole wetlands. Um, and that the, there's an oxbow that runs down the center, but it's really not an oxbow. I believe this was, try to paint the picture here, It, it it's basically a stream channel. But it's a. I think it was a very old like tidal stream when this area was um, a marsh rather than a prairie when the sea level was higher um, back in the Pleistocene. Um, that's just my best way of understanding this place. Is it was a stream channel because there's actual oxbows branching off of it, like proper oxbows, um, and now they're you know they're also little wetlands now but it doesn't have, it's not like a functioning stream. It's, it's, it's a stream that has, um, over time through climatic and geologic change, it's turned, it's turned into a a late successional emergent marsh. It's not connected to the watershed currently anymore. It's not connected to any stream or bayou. It's, it's just a, a very old stream bed. It's the best way I can Understand it, but um now it's an emergent marsh full of maiden cane, which is a real interesting management issue Um uh, maiden cane's an excellent wetland plant, but it it can form monotypic stands and it doesn't it doesn't have as much plant diversity as we would like to attract ducks and there's just nowhere for the ducks to land. it's so thick in some areas it's just just so dense, so I'm trying to figure out ways. Um, I've been reading up on it to hopefully manage it without having to, without having to change the hydrology too much or the, you know, without using herbicides or any of these things. Um, I think we're just burning it and, you know, burning it during the hunting season, during the, after the growing season, um, when the maiden cane goes dormant, burn it and, uh, it'll open it up and you know when spring comes around it will probably come back even thicker but um uh, i think that strategy might work but getting fire on that place is will be good for the wetlands and the prairie i think anyway so uh anyway a lot of a uh, lot to talk about with all that um i'm really excited i'm really excited about where i'm at right now though it um you know consulting was was something i saw myself doing for a long time and i landed in like one of the coolest consulting firms um doing really cool work in South Carolina this summer, like doing these like watershed scale restor- stream restoration and wetland restoration projects. I was out there delineating these Carolina Bay wetlands, which are these really unique wetlands that are like massive over a hundred acres of just an isolated wetland with carnivorous plants and all these cool species. And like, it was really hard to leave that, leave that job. But you know, like I said earlier, life is short and, um, I want to look back at my life and be like, wow, I, I did some interesting stuff. And uh, this might be my only chance to say I've worked in the duck call industry. And so it's, it's, it's working out. Um, so, yeah, me and uh, Kelsey and I met up at the shop as well as Aislinn, her friend, her duck hunting partner. Um, well, I'm going to record with Aislinn separately, Aislinn feeling. Um, I only had two mics, so we just me and Kelsey recorded yesterday and then me and Aislinn will probably get together soon. To talk about hunting. She's also, um, ironically, a herp herp person. She's been keeping snakes for a long time. Like really, really cool, like modeled rock rattlesnakes and um, other. Uh, she she's big into venomous snakes. Um, she's she's kept some really neat stuff. So it'll be it'll be fun to talk to her as a as a hunter and fellow snake nerd. Um, yeah, I mean Kelsey, we talked to, yeah all about her hunting experiences and her time. And co- she studied some environmental policy. Um, degree from Texas A&M Galveston and she doesn't currently work, currently work in that industry, but, um, she, she had some cool perspectives and she was just so fun to talk to. Kelsey's great. I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, so now I bring you Kelsey Filio. (laughs) All right. Well,
1: technical difficulties.
0: We, uh, recorded like 30 minutes and then, um, my new tech failed me. So, we are back on. Technology. <laughs> uh-huh. That really sucks, too, because we were having an excellent conversation. We had a good, good thing we uh We talked about all your interests in duck hunting and some different stories. And then yes. we were talking about being a female waterfowler and Getting all the into stuff with it. that. And uh, encouraging words for fellow women out there that want to hunt. It's good stuff. Unfortunately, it's. Uh,
1: <laughs> hey, it happens.
0: We ended. Um, we're talking about just basic stuff. Yes. For someone getting into hunting, um, gun safety, getting a hunter's ed, mm-hmm. and, um, all the basic stuff.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, like hunter safety, um, because that'll that'll kind of give you like an overview right out the gate. Yeah. Um. I remember the, I don't know why this question of all of them sticks out to me, but I remember the little pictures of the types of shotguns. Right. Where it showed you like pump, over and under, semi auto. Yep. And um, so it'll kind of give people a, hey, this is somewhat of what you can expect. And then that way, I want to say they gave us like an outdoor annual, and I'm sure there. I know some most of that stuff's like online now. So yeah,
0: I didn't even purchase a paper license this year. I just got so, the app, the My Harvest uh, app, uh-huh. and purchased everything. So
1: I did the paper and the My Hunt Harvest because yeah. I don't trust technology
0: yet. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, I part of me is like a 90 um, year old man on the inside <laughs> and. And that ain't that 90 year old man is also like a doomsday prepper. (laughs) So um, it's, I have my moments where it's very, um, okay, well we love technology and we're going to do all these things because it's 2023 now. And
0: it can make life easy. Yeah. It is nice. Not having to go to Academy. to buy a license. I
1: will say, I don't trust going to the store anymore because it just doesn't seem like you're getting the same level of knowledge. Yeah. Like you used to.
0: Yeah, um, I, I agree.
1: Nowadays, I feel like you can get and you get more out of it. So there is some stuff I don't know if they just don't know how to do it, or if um, if they can't because, right. like, your crane endorsement, you can't. If they don't add that, you have to pay extra for it. Right. Where if you just do it all on the app, like it just shows up. Right. And you are golden. Yeah. And you can pretty much select everything and, and be like ready to roll. Yeah, And I mean, the only thing, so that's what I was going to ask you. So what about your duck stamp?
0: I'd never received mine in the mail. And I was going to bring that up too. My buddy was out at McFadden and, uh-huh. uh, officer Davis, I think his name is Davis. Um, he stopped him. He's a federal warden mm-hmm. and he was going to give him a ticket for not having it on him. On him. Yes. Although he could show him the receipt and mm-hmm. or he could look it up in the system, whatever. It, it was a hundred percent like he, he could see that he bought it, mm-hmm. but he didn't have the physical stamp. So he said, if he goes to the post office and buys mm. another, you can buy them at the post office. Yeah, you can buy I didn't know post. that. Yeah. It's a stamp. It. it makes sense now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So my
0: dad. I never, never knew that.
1: envelope. I, oh my gosh. It is
0: <laughs> because <rich> I was, <laughs> <of all guys. laughs> that's awesome. It's because my age, my generation doesn't know about these things.
1: I only know it because someone in my family, I don't remember if it was my dad or my uncle, um, got a, we had to go to the post office to buy the stamp because they were getting something, like a painting made. Yeah. And you know, they put the little stamp under the painting and and that was, and then they were going to frame it and all that. So I remember going to buy this stamp and my mom has some of like redfish too and trout. So, um... I think that those used to be stamps yeah. too. Um,
0: and for people that don't know, a duck stamp, it's a federal stamp. It's a stamp. federal thing. <laughs> you have to have it to harvest ducks. And what it is, is when you buy it, the money and generated... Geese. It's waterfowl. It's yeah, waterfowl. Yeah, water yeah. Yeah, yeah. The money generated from that mm-hmm. goes into waterfowl conservation. Yep. And that is the contribution of hunters. You know, hunters contribute through stamps, licenses, permits and excise taxes on firearms.
1: And there's all kinds of organizations. And a lot of that, Ducks
0: Unlimited is a hunter-based organization. Yeah, and, yeah.
1: Like CCA with fishing. CCA. CCA. The National or the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, right. National Wild Ter- I think I'm in like 17 <laughs> yeah. of these things. We get a lot of magazines. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to stay
0: in touch with with all these different conservation organizations. But that that's a big theme what this podcast is talking about how hunting is part of the conservation model that when, we work under here.
1: It really is. And and I don't think everyone fully gives it that credit, but without hunters and the setup we have, there is a part of me that thinks that all of our national forests and this public lands and the refuges would be just another house farm by now. Yeah. And, and what would we have? I mean, it would be yeah. nothing. it's the same reason why I had rabbits trying to make houses in my flower beds in Odessa, <laughs> and there's rattlesnakes everywhere because we invaded their home
0: that, that is exactly right. A lot of people are like, "Why is there an alligator in my yard?" Because well, like the alligator be the was there for millions of years, <laughs> and you arrived there in the past yeah. ten years so it is a, um, you know aside from the money that's generated by hunters uh, the the hunting community gives like incentives for these public lands. Mm-hmm. It's it's like more the more people we have that are interested in, in conserving land and, and being making it public so mm-hmm. we can utilize it for either consumptive or non-consumptive use. I have a lot of people um, that listen that are not hunters. They're non-consumptive users. Mm-hmm. They're birders and herpers and naturalists. Yes. And I mean, but there's we, a lot we of photographers all, and stuff that go out Wildlife photographers. We're all interested in conserving yep. our ecosystems and that's that's um uh, something i'm really passionate about is is um kind of bridging the gap between the different communities because a lot of hunters they there's a lot of cultural differences i guess mm-hmm. um but like we all care about something yep and i think we should all be on the same page about conserving our ecosystems and there's just a lot of like hunters that think like birders and all of them are like weird and like, <laughs> don't have any Say in conservation, and there's like a lot of birders and like naturals that don't think hunting has a place in conservation. You're right. Like, but like me being a part of both, I'm like, like this is so weird because from my perspective, we literally all, all find safe. great value in going outdoors <laughs> and experiencing wildlife. Yeah, it's just all the same to me. With hunting, it is a little different because you're consuming something. Mm-hmm. But the way we we are able to do that is because of all the money we generate, and like that pays. The biologist salary it pays for the restoration of different ecosystems. It mm-hmm. creates a huge incentive to, to manage ecosystems in general. There's like WMAs, That's like what they are yep. for. Is their hunting units and their money generated is used to restore those places. Yep, and it it's like works out perfect. Well, I mean,
1: think about how much research comes out of Texas Parks and Wildlife every yeah. year. I mean, it, a lot of and a lot of it's from, from hunters. Hunting. Yeah,
0: harvest data is a big part of how. Wildlife managers and biologists are able to understand our our ecosystems and our wildlife.
1: Yep, I'm really curious yeah. to see. So my uncle is was part of a study this season um, where he they sent him a bunch of special envelopes and he is sending in his duck wings. So they're going to be looking at like some um, I believe it's like a this different species that they killed in Mansfield. So okay. He, he was in Port Mansfield for oh, season. down in, yeah.
0: I love that area. Oh my there. gosh, it's so my cool favorite place that. on the planet. You know, this is don't uh, to get too off topic, but did you ever watch Deep in the Heart or, or hear so about it?
1: I I heard about it okay. and I watched some of the YouTube videos because I like Matthew McConaughey and right. I, <laughs> I saw your hat and I was like, okay, it's all the yeah. same. This is so cool.
0: They filmed much of that around Port Mansfield, really, for the ocelots, those uh-huh. little cats. That was like just north of Port Mansfield, that that land north of one eighty six. Okay, it's, it's like Raymondville and all that. It's the East Foundation Ranch. Okay, and that's where the ocelots are. Real? That's where they filmed. Them. Super cool.
1: So now I'm gonna have to go back and watch the whole thing.
0: You need to watch it. It's it's one cool thing about it too is it's um it's very consistent with my vision mm-hmm. of being into conservation education. Is it's it like gives credit to hunters. Like it it goes through the story of the the uh, market hunting days mm-hmm. back in like the 1800s and like. Shows has different clips where it shows like the huge mound of bison skulls. Yeah, it's like a mountain, and like it talks about like the waterfowl that were over harvested and all Not these different our best species. And, like- <laughs> but it was hunt, it was sportsmen, yep. conservation minded hunters that were like, Listen, guys, we got to watch this. We don't stop this commercialization mm-hmm. of our wildlife, we're gonna lose them, right? And we did lose passenger pigeons and. Carolina parakeets and like several other species. Yep. We almost lost white-tailed deer. Yeah, is that just, crazy?
1: I can't believe that, especially because like in Mansfield, you. There, I have a video. I'm feeding one
0: huge bucks at that park down there. Oh my god! It's they the best come up place in the driveway. It's the best place to film and photograph white-tail. I love. I almost yes. went down there for my New Year's trip this mm-hmm. year, just for waterfowl and for deer photos.
1: Oh, I've spent a I couple guess. of New Years down there. It is. I it's long. a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: I don't have anywhere to stay in Mansfield. I wish I knew people down there. So... I always go down to Cam- uh
1: They have... Um, Cameron County. a couple of Airbnbs now that oh, are they, really? fairly inexpensive. And there's like a little motel um, that's pretty legit too. That, I mean, because that's... We get... My uncle rents a house. Okay, yeah. And it's got two houses on the property. And I think what we're going to do is rent the other house next season. Gotcha. Probably not for the whole season, but because I, I do... I'm kind of a hermit sometimes where I'm like, oh, you want me to go outside of Jefferson County? Mm, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not going to work. So, Well, there's a lot to do here, yeah. hunting
0: and fishing wise. So,
1: When um, I can, like when I was in Arkansas, I was kind of giving people a hard time. I was like, look, the new Mason-Dixon line is I-10 for me. <laughs> if I have to go north of I-10, things start to get weird.
0: You know what's funny? When I went to Stuttgart, I've been multiple times this year, but I went really just once to hunt. And it was uh, with a, a guide service, and like people go up there to shoot all these mallards, you know. Well, you went up there 50 shovelers in one morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. So many shovelers. I love them. I oh, mean, I didn't mind it at all, but
1: I wish my that I would have got that many because, man, it was like every pond we passed, the amount of Hollywoods, yep. like the full plume,
0: the old drape.
1: like beautiful when you google northern shoveler it's like the supermodel duck that's right there and i mean i saw probably 50 of them just driving places and then never fails it doesn't fly over me while i'm right. you know in a duck blind but there was a couple times that i was like does anybody have a cast net because i <laughs> feel like i could get this duck right here out of the ditch
0: yeah. it would be interesting. If they didn't have such a, a crazy bill, I think people would love them so much more.
1: Because I mean, aside from the the fat lip that they've got, basically, <laughs> um, it looks
0: kind they're of like beautiful birds. Yeah,
1: they have such a great color variation. Yeah.
0: the white, and the and, blue, and I really green loved, head, the orange feet.
1: Yes, and the, and I love that um, almost cinnamony brown. Chestnut, yeah,
0: cinnamon. Yeah, they're great birds. Cause, I mean, they, they really are.
1: It's a it's a good bird. I mean, and they. They're underrated for sure.
0: Favorite species of duck? That, that's probably my favorite. favorite. Yeah, I always go back and forth. I love gadwall, but I love wood ducks too.
1: Yeah, wood duck would probably be like my number. But two. I love widgeon too. I I have yet to encounter a duck that I didn't like. Okay, <laughs> so I, I you don't that. have to have favorites. You can just love them right. all equally. Like, you know? I like ducks. Um, the only duck that m- has rubbed me the wrong way <laughs> ever. Was, um, last year I decided I needed to be a duck mom at Tractor Supply and I well, got, got a mallard. It was a, the white ducks, the, yeah, the mallard. Yeah. They're like the,
0: I think they're mallards.
1: They're some type of
0: farm mallard. Yeah. Search, yeah.
1: I mean, they're big white and they're ugly. They're not cute. <laughs> they Probably have taste really good. They though. have bad at it. So that was the intent. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to raise these two big fatties and we're going to make tacos. And it, and those they have the big old fat legs on them. Oh yeah. I had this dream of so at Jackie's Brick House in Galveston, they used to have these duck legs things that were a, an appetizer, and they were like big meaty, like a chicken wing, but better because it's duck. And it had like a lovely glaze over it, and they were grilled. And so I was like, this is what we're making with these ducks that I just brought home from Tractor <laughs> Supply. But um, they were disgusting. They were dirty. Really? they didn't
0: They didn't taste good
1: i mean i gave them away before it got to that oh, point because them. i they couldn't just... deal with them and they were tormenting my chickens my chickens and i'm not surprised at all i have like a bond with my chickens yeah. well now they're no longer with us we're gonna get more but um i think like a raccoon or something got in the Probably, coop yeah. you never know I'm, i want
0: to get i want to get um Mallards for my pond Just so mm-hmm. I can listen to them Yes And learn from them
1: So the neighbor's mallards Have been coming over To the pond next door to me Whoops it's all good. And uh, I talk with my hands too much <laughs> <laughs> And um, and I've thought about Just sitting out there With my duck call And seeing what they do Because they're Chitter-chattering In the mornings It's hilarious And they're, yeah. they're big old Fat ducks And we get some squealers Over there every now ah, and then Whistling ducks yeah. I like the whistlers
0: People don't like those either that's weird to me. I think I like the pass them. on them.
1: I like all the misfit ducks.
0: <laughs> I want to shoot a fullest whistling duck really bad. Yes. It's a cool duck. four ducks left. Really? Those I need to cool. I need to count up all the species I've shot. I shot my first widgeon this year somehow. Somehow I've I've been hunting the marsh for probably really? five years and never shot a widgeon. Really? I'm always on hunts that no widgeon are shot. It's hmm. bullshit. If one has shot it wasn't me that shot it. <laughs> I don't. I have bad luck with widgeon, but how's your duck calling coming along?
1: Um. So, other than my success this past weekend where I called in a um, a widgeon, yeah, that I feel like before that it. I mean, I my husband thinks I need to practice a whole lot more. Yeah. But the widgeon liked everything I was saying. She was all about it. <laughs> we had a whole conversation. Marvelous. Um, my my hubs got her. So, I feel like I did the thing. A whistle right here. Yeah. That's
0: a sure shot whistle. It uh, looks like ours, but it's like yeah, a different it color. Exactly. It's like an old one or something. It is. Oh, it's a Haydale's. Haydale's? Close enough. That's
1: it. It came with a sure shot,
0: no. though. Did it really? Yeah. <laughs> so, we are in a duck call shop right now. Yes. Um, for my listeners, um, I work at Sure Shot Game Calls now. I said this earlier but it didn't record so,
1: uh, <laughs> our, our technical difficulty
0: uh, still doing wildlife biology stuff but uh, my day job is selling duck calls now and uh have a bunch of calls in my hands so we're talking about that widgeon that's what it sounds like right
1: yes yeah. and then she does kind of a um oh right. dude that one you on the spot here <laughs> no <laughs> no and you got to
0: set an example for our, I our fellow all right i'm all not right.
1: that good yet man hey, it's not just, that a yet. just a whistle just a not oh, quite it's so there pretty. yet it's so pretty um but I mean I was using my sure shot and she was um I just, call? yeah because so my my Jensen, I I guess I sound a little more high pitch
0: not putting enough voice
1: yeah I'm struggling with that part <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
0: how that's how that's going to sound over audio that'll be an interesting matter call Here's a teal call. This is not a sure shot, but it sounds really good.
1: Yeah, it's a good
0: That is a blue-winged teal hand right there. I was listening to them out there in Cattail Marsh. Have you mm-hmm. been there before?
1: Yeah, I've gone out and oh, sat.
0: Love it out there. You can learn a lot about ducks out there. I like our teal call, but just being an honest person, Duck Commander's teal call is probably the best. It's pretty it's, legit. It's a little softer than ours. They, they use an actual, like... Like read system, mm-hmm. like ours is a little insert thing. Also like their wood duck call a lot.
1: When from so I, you know my my I'm new to the being a duck nerd thing. Yeah. So my nerdy duckness has made me read a whole lot this is year. It's, Pinto. Pinto. it's like a multi-whistle thing. Wow. You can you can adjust it.
0: How do you get the flutter? Pull
1: that yeah. I just pull the rod
0: down. Of oh, this? Oh, I see. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I've got the Primos. That's um, super cool. I've
0: never, I've never heard of these wing setter, huh?
1: I have the little Primos one like that.
0: Interesting. Got a big conquer call right here. No snow, I'm about snow to get call.
1: To go, Yeah, I need to get a red is good stuff. I need to get a new goose call.
0: I cannot see. Oh, dude, people, my spec call nervous is about, so bad. <laughs> people will come in here and they get nervous about blowing calls in front of us. And that's how I am with, with goose calls around a goose collar. I am not. <laughs> like when the
1: red bone guys are here, you're like, Nathan, I'm not touching it. <laughs> so sure
0: shot is also red bone now. And uh, so I need to learn how yeah. to blow these damn things. But I this is a single read, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's terrible. I don't think that sounds like a That a didn't goose. sound bad. I don't think that sounds like a goose at all. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I love that wood call, Coca Cola.
1: I and I like y'all's the Sure Shot Wood Duck call better than so I got this one off of uh, so we can thank Claws and Amazon for (laughs) for my um, variety of duck calls (laughs) during teal season or I guess like yeah it was like opening weekend of teal season. Yeah. Um. And uh, I think I got to hunt once and then my husband went out of town or maybe I, yeah, I got to hunt once and my husband went out of town. I'm just like by myself. And so that's whenever I started, I literally put out an APB for anyone who was willing to hunt with a female. I was like, (laughs) I have my own gear. I was like, I have a- Should hit
0: me up. Well, we didn't, we didn't know each other. No, yeah.
1: I I was looking in Facebook groups and so that's how I got hooked up with Ace. And we did a girls hunt um, that second and third weekend of teal season. And after, and then, like I say, we went to Tijuana's and had painkillers, and after that we've <laughs> been pretty much inseparable. Um,
0: that is the challenge of, 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 of being a woman in hunting is, like, there ain't none. finding hunting buddies <laughs> yeah. is hard, right? Not a lot of girls out there that hunt, and a lot of guys don't want to hunt with a girl, except maybe they have a girlfriend, or, like, maybe it's just weird to them. or like
1: Yeah, I mean, I've gotten lucky yeah. because I grew up with hunting, and my whole yeah. family's into it, um... And my husband actually didn't hunt as much growing up as I did, so I was kind of the, there was things, like I got him into archery. Okay, yeah. And it started out as this weird peer pressure. I was like, you know, you should really just get a bow so that way I have someone to practice with. Yeah. Well, then he got way more into it than I did. And passed me way up, (laughs) got his first buck with his bow this year. He's, I think he's 34. Yeah, because I'm fixing How it. old are you? I'm gonna be 33 at the end of this Golly, month. you're so old. I know the gray hairs. No, I don't have any gray hair yet, thank God. I think I'll just no. We're gonna die on purple. So when the purple <laughs> hair starts showing up, it's actually gray. Yeah, yeah. But I have decided that we are going to be a mermaid. <laughs> so, uh, but like I was so proud of him. He held out, hunted hard with his bow, yeah. got an 11 point i mean
0: public land privately this
1: yeah. was private we have a deer lease um okay. it's mld land okay yeah and uh well we might not have oh, it after this explain year.
0: mld or if, if you want
1: so mld is like management property right yeah so you that does not go on your regular texas hunting license yeah, stuff you can that's extra yeah those are like bonus you deer. harvest extra deer yep
0: past what your license gives you
1: there's a, um, a biologist that comes out, right. and uh, we do, like, a deer count weekend every year.
0: Do oh, you go out there with them? And yeah, them. I
1: mean, you're sitting there with binoculars going, okay, we've got this oh, many does, this many fawns cool. on the ground. So, what I'm going to miss the most, because they're turning the deer lease into a refuge, so they're not going to allow hunting out there anymore.
0: Oh, interesting. And like a f- state or a federal? I don't do
1: fully know? know, and this isn't completely official. They're just This is the rumor. Okay. Um, but they're supposedly not going to allow hunting out there so we're all going to have to pack up our stuff and leave but what's been the coolest part is we get access to the place all year okay so during spring whenever they're having all the babies you get to go and see all the fawns there's all these ponds out there so you're there's ducks there's i mean
0: it's just Can, can you duck hunt there
1: um, they don't let us duck hunt at this place, but there's some ponds that, that got sucks. some things. Because there's been a couple times that I was like, "How would they know? What if I just go and find a duck <laughs> by my deer stand?"
0: I have this idea of paying for a deer lease in East Texas, but it mainly being a duck lease, like something along the one of the rivers Oh, oh with yeah. bottomlands, mm-hmm. like the Nages and the Sabine hold mallards. If you oh yeah can get out there and get access to private land, it's just. But when yeah, I would, I would pay for a deer lease, but only for the hunting, the duck hunting.
1: And on, on the, if you can get on a good, on the one of the rivers where it's got like the good trees, yeah. where they'll come up in there oh, and yeah. it's like weird kind of, I want I always call it like fake flooded timber because it's not the same as going to like, yeah, yeah. but.
0: There, there is some of that some. in East Texas, but it's just not, we don't have as much uh, flooded like oak forest, mm-hmm. but there is some like further north and, um.
1: What is it, Caddo Lake? That's C- Caddo kinda... Lakes,
0: that's cypress stuff. Yeah, they have cypress. Ci- they have a lot of cypress. We, we have some of that down here. Mm-hmm.
1: On the bayous. You can but get like, what really
0: attracts mallards is the flooded oak Yeah, forest. the oak trees. Um, the nut all oaks and the willow oaks, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have as much of that plant community here. We should, but like Toledo Bend should be a huge bottomland hardwood yeah. oak forest, but it's now a reservoir. So. Yeah. I did yeah. shoot my first greenhead on Toledo Bend. When I was a kid, and that year there were a ton of greenheads on. When Toledo. can't
1: you? Um, you can hunt
0: you basically anywhere out there. Yeah, it just you, you know you got to stay away from private property. Most of the banks on the Texas side are part of the national forest, mm-hmm. so you can hunt on land. You so don't have to my stay in your in-laws,
1: both. or so my husband's grandparents used to have a house on Toledo. Okay. And when they sold it, we were still living in Midland, and so we were like, "Oh, we're never going to be able to go." And we were kind of transitioning, so we didn't we didn't buy it. Well, then, I kid you not, like six months later, we got the job offer to come here, and we're like, damn it, we
0: should have <laughs> bought that.
1: There was a boat slip on the property. I could have oh. put decoys out in the backyard and just sat there and killed things.
0: So you grew up in Santa Fe? I grew up in Santa Fe. You went Fe. to school at SFA?
1: I went to a couple of colleges. <laughs>
0: okay, same here. It wasn't, had, my college route was not linear yeah well, I was not a good student. no <laughs>
1: so I was when I decided to be, but Same here. It, yeah. was it was kind of all about a,
0: applying yourself
1: yeah you know. and and that was where I would get creative because it'd be like, oh, you know, if we do this weird admin job, maybe I won't have to go to college. That didn't work <laughs> ever. Um, but I grew up in Santa Fe, Texas, over by Galveston yep. um, I went to Stephen F. Austin, College of the Mainland, Alvin Community College. <laughs> um, I kind of just yeah. picked up some classes here and there while yeah. I was working part-time. Yeah. And then um, when I finally was like, okay, at this point I'd seen a lot of oil and gas. I'd seen a lot of the environmental side of things because I still was very much into nature and right. conservation and how can I help make things better. Right. So I got into A&M in Galveston, and I graduated from there in 2015 with um, a bachelor's in marine environmental policy and law.
0: Oh, super cool. I didn't know you had a natural resource background. Yeah, I've At got
1: a, I've got a minor in ocean and coastal resources and a minor in economics. I
0: did not know any of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'm slightly... That's super yeah, cool. I. Uh, so
0: you know about these things.
1: Yeah, I just... I I pride myself of being like the most conservative hippie you'll ever meet. Right, (laughs) it's like we're going to save the turtles, but also I work for Exxon. (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, it's all good. You you can you can energy is a complicated topic all around. Oh yeah, I tend to avoid the conversation. It's kind of all energy is bad in some regard. Like I just learned of of, uh, I just learned we were talking about Brazoria County earlier, Mm -hmm. and and uh, I love that county. There's some of the best prairie left in the state Mm -hmm. there coastal prairie there's the columbia bottomlands with all the big live oaks beautiful some of the most interesting ecosystems beautiful i love that county so that's
1: what too about the deer lease has got those big oaks like leaned over deer lease in brazoria county well it's um it's technically on it's further um is it matagorda county yes matagorda county is it near damon bay city van Vleck.
0: van Vleck, yes yeah that area i used to find timber rattlesnakes out there I used yes. to go there specifically for timber rattlesnakes.
1: So when I first went there, my grandpa was taking me around on his buggy, and he was like, "You know, Santa Ana's army probably <laughs> slept under these trees." That's pretty cool. But
0: is- talking about Brazoria County though is uh, an energy. Yes. Is um, I learned about like there's a a, a remnant prairie out there, mm-hmm. kind of near Brazos Bend State Park. Yep. Like really nice prairie, and and prairie nerds like me like see that, and it's like this. Grand wilderness with yep. amazing plants and animals. They're putting a solar farm on it. What? I'm pissed. Yeah. So, like, when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, all right, well, all energy sucks. We can agree on that. Yeah. But it's there's jobs some, some of it is financial it's security like for an, people. Yeah, so it's like it's, a necessary
1: evil sometimes, but I wish we did it better. And yeah. so that's kind of why I chose that career path. Yeah. Because I had this, and again, this could be, like, the weird Miss America speech. Like, I just want to make the world a better place. A
0: better place, yeah.
1: But... I had this idea that if I'm this grand conservationist and I believe these things, surely I'm not the only one who believes these things. Right, yeah. So maybe I could do something or help steward some things to go a little better Right. where stuff that has been worse or more harmful could eventually evolve to where we can coexist without causing more damage than is
0: yeah we, really we do a lot of stuff that simply isn't necessary
1: right and there's a lot like, of technology talking out about
0: there solar and wind you know like these renewable energy sources mm-hmm. which are incredibly valuable in, in many respects like why would you put that on like the last coastal prairie remnant left in Missouri county right it makes no fucking sense to me nope it pisses me off I'm and i <laughs> i don't know how
1: they pick their locations you could locations, put the, you could
0: put the panels anywhere anywhere put them on top of houses on car See, garages, I thought they were parking, doing that as like, like
1: a grant thing but they put them
0: could... on a rare imperiled ecosystem yep and that's... i say they as in it's like it's not like it's just this was just a bad infrastructure project by mm-hmm. some company in houston like it, it's it's not like some group plotting against prairies it's just <laughs> people that don't know shit about <laughs> the anti-prairie ecology. group they, just, they don't know any better they think right. it's just a field of grass but then like someone like me that has just like been learning about and cares so much about ecosystems and ecology it's like like the worst feeling ever
1: Mm -hmm. it's really hard to explain i mean there's Um, i've had a lot of moments like that over the years where it's like why would you even make some of these decisions but i don't think there's a lot of people that have had the opportunities to look at things from this angle simple
0: ignorance yeah we're all ignorant of many things
1: right i mean that's
0: simply not knowing any better. I mean there's, there's
1: so much information out there too.
0: there's really good groups like Texan by Nature. Have you mm-hmm. heard of that? Yes. They unite corporations with conservation groups. And with and actually when they had their summit last year, um they have a conservation summit everywhere. They get like BP oil and like all these big corporations mm-hmm. in the same room as like these NGOs, these mm-hmm. conservation groups and they talk about future the future of Texas land and wildlife and how they can help fund this stuff because these big companies, they, they care a lot about their environmental social scores now. Yep. So ESG, I think, it's Environmental Social Governance. Yep. There's you know some, about that?
1: So they've talked about it a little bit, but I uh, haven't really It's dug a into big deal it. now. They, they, yeah.
0: you got to get these social environmental scores. Well, because so you they, don't
1: want to buy like, I call it like mean guy diesel. You know, you want to <laughs> yeah. buy like nice guy diesel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> stuff that's more sustainable. Yeah. Um. So a lot of it's, Quote greenwashing, but mm-hmm. it, like if BP oil is is paying for prairie restoration, they can right. greenwash all they want.
1: <laughs> when and there uh, is a lot, if of it's
0: th- actual meaningful work, I think it, and that's where Texan by Nature has been very valuable. And I had um, a girl on a while back; she works for them, and she you know explained how, kind of what Texans by Nature does mm-hmm. in detail. And it's it's the only organization that I know of that functions like they do. It, Laura Bush started it. I guess like maybe five to 10 years ago. And yeah. it's just a really cool concept it's a, it's to unite neat. these big corporations that have a lot of money with these little organizations that need money to do their work. When
1: a lot of these big companies like that, they also contribute funding to, so I went to a and Galveston yeah. to schools like that, that they do, do all a lot of this research. And, yeah, and yeah. cause I remember this guy came from, I think it was Hawaii. And we're sitting at Float. I don't know if you're familiar with the Galveston seawall, but it was like the,
0: the. Is it still a thing?
1: Yeah, like float. The
0: one the ball the, ball, the one that's going to go through Bolivar and all that. Um. I'm thinking of the seawall. Oh no, not that. Oh, I don't different. know if that.
1: So like the seawall that's there. Oh, you're talking about the, the Galveston yeah the regular okay. when you go to the beach. So like the yeah. seawall, like so on the seawall is Float is one of the bars there. And on Wednesday nights, (laughs) yep, on Wednesday nights, I remember this dude had came from another college. It was a maritime school in Hawaii or somewhere, and he's sitting at float, and it's fifty cent beer night, and we're all having our high quality beers, and um, you can see the ships and the rigs parked off shore and he's yeah. like having a moment like a meltdown like oh my gosh this is just terrible can you imagine what they're doing and i'm like do you know who's paying for us to learn about these things <laughs> and improve this yeah i feel like if they legit didn't give a shit they wouldn't give us money to try to make it better
0: yeah and they may not give a shit on a personal level but right. on a company wide level they have to give a shit <laughs>
1: something is making them care and it <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. and I mean, the dude came here in a plane. So, I mean, right. if he came in a canoe, I could maybe support some of his,
0: I was, ar- uh, photographing, uh, again, this was missed because it, I freaking text <laughs> is bullshit. But earlier I was talking about that rail research I was mm-hmm. doing. Well, I got there early and I was at the, the jetty on Bolivar. Okay. And I was photographing blue herons and stuff. And all you can see in the background, all the big ships <laughs> and, it was, you know, it's, it's like kind of a bummer, but like, this is just part of society. You know, it's like...
1: I mean, in some of those areas, right. it's like, I, I like some of the ship stuff because I feel like you can kind of see, I guess, where it all fits together. Right. Yeah. But...
0: I'm just such a purist when it comes to my experiences in nature. And I, I and,
1: like... Yes, but I agree with that because <laughs> I got mad at my husband for blocking part of my sunrise the other day because I was like, man, you just put that weird stick there and it just... Yeah. We're, we're impacting nature. It doesn't yeah. look right. And I'm trying to savor this memory. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I'm always going to prefer and always dream about what this land was like prior to yes. industrialization. But I'm also a realist too. I understand there's constraints that going to college and working in the environmental consulting field for a little bit made me understand mm-hmm. just how complicated some of these problems are. So I try to focus on things that like I can possibly make a difference on right like and in, like inspiring similar. more people to just simply care about habitat habitat right. is something we can all get around it energy is very complicated climate's very complicated for people politically mm-hmm. politics have made everything toxic so like, can, i focus on the things that you
1: can plant rice or whatever and help rebuild well, we don't like rice
0: we want native plants whatever they <laughs> make they make a, they make a, they're a good they're good they're good duck they're good duck habitat Rice fields can provide good habitat. There's a
1: wildlife blend now but, uh, that's supposed to be really? healthy for them.
0: Yeah. The ecologist in me is screaming right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, trying I mean, to get, so I'm trying some to get. Of the, uh, so I mean, there's like
1: some little weeds and seeds that they like. Yeah. And, no, yeah, and the, fish. And because you, Aislinn, what's that weed that the. Smart weeds. Smart yeah. weeds. Yeah.
0: Smart weeds are good. They really are. Uh, there's several species and they are a high quality. Mm-hmm. Food resource for ducks and, and shorebirds. There's, um, we we were talking about this before you got here. Managing wetlands for moist soil species. These annual plants. Mm-hmm. They're species that produce a lot of seeds. Yep. And they um, provide a lot of food for ducks, and they provide like structural coverage for them. The problem with, and I've talked to a couple different waterfowl managers mm-hmm. about this, and listened and read about it. A lot of people around here love their rice. Mm-hmm. They love to hunt their rice. I like to, like. I feel like it's, it's all inconsistent about rice. Though rice is good early in the year, and it's good for teal season and early duck season. Mm-hmm. But then all the food is gone, and it's basically just a, a, a resting spot. Yeah, it's not really a food spot anymore, and it doesn't provide a lot of cover. Because mm-hmm. um, you cut everything, you cut it, and if you instead manage for native wetland plants these these annual species like smartweeds and different sedges and um like there's a whole host of different species that they're early successional species that when you when you get water off that that land Mm -hmm. you disc it you you're exposing the seedbed those species can 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 then establish Mm -hmm. and then you flood it in the fall and you have like the best duck habitat so and you're promoting native species of wildlife in general,
1: I, I got something you're gonna like that whenever you were talking about the seeds and, and like promoting the mark, like where the marshes are, yeah. and how to get the duck habitat. Yeah. So, when I was in college, I took environmental micropaleontology.
0: Oh, that was a mouthful! <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything Envi- environmental
1: micropaleontology,
0: micropaleontology. So, you're looking at
1: microscopic sea bugs, okay, basically. I mean, so it's microforminifera. So, we would take these core For- samples, yeah. okay. And... You carbon date them, uh, you sieve them out, and you've got these teeny tiny little, they kind of look like seashells, but they're, right. it's basically bugs in layman's terms, I feel like. It's probably not, my professor's probably going to be like, what the hell? The but,
0: microorganisms. Of sorts. Yeah, they're
1: tiny, yeah. tiny things. Well, the different, we would use that information to rebuild paleoclimates, and we yep. could tell you where a river changed, where a marsh used to be, if someone used to have farmland there. Yeah. I mean, just the super cool it was so cool. cool, and some of it, though, came from my had I not grown up in Southeast Texas, mm-hmm. where we did have farms, we did mm-hmm. have marshes, we did have all this wetland and um and then the river I mean is the border for Louisiana right yeah. so you know like I was familiar with how these things work. Yeah.
0: With the ecosystems in general.
1: So it made it where I could easily tell the story because I was kind of, I grew up with this background and then you take the science part and you're looking at the- And the the pieces come together. Yeah. You start
0: to understand the landscape more.
1: Yes. Because, so I, one of the things that I say, if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to go back to school because- um, (laughs) You like to learn, I do like to learn. And one of the programs that I had the opportunity, I could have gone into, but I went to work um was their marine resource management program and that further digs into rebuilding these climates what can we do cuz when you rebuild that paleo climate you kind of see like okay if these were, it's the same as when we're looking at how we caught fish or what was the conditions when we shot 7000 ducks this year right, you know yeah. it's okay so if we know what pH level of the water was back then. You can find out this information basically, and right,
0: and it can help us manage resources right. now,
1: right? And so it's like, okay, well, so this is when the ducks were thriving. This right. is the resources they had. What can we do now that it's 2023 to somehow rebuild that back to the way it was in 1894, right? And being able to get these samples and put that piece back together, yep. I think's a big piece of how we can promote this conservation, like yep. having folks that are studying uh-huh. that stuff and built, putting all this information together really helps.
0: That's a theme. I like to think about is getting back to pre settlement conditions, mm-hmm. what, what this land was like before we arrived. Europeans arrived. Yeah. we f- fucked a lot of shit up. Yeah. I kind of feel like <laughs> it's just the nature. It would have been beast.
1: cool to be like the covered wagon days.
0: It would be cool. Yeah. When there was,
1: cause there was not enough. Just people. imagine the wildlife
0: back then. Oh yeah. Golly, and not enough ducks.
1: people for you to be like, Oh my God, people,
0: <laughs> You know, I always say like, man, could you imagine seeing the ducks back then? But the thing is like, there's certain species of ducks that are probably more common now than Mm -hmm. they were back then just because they benefited so much from humans, like Mm -hmm. snow geese. There's There's a lot more snow geese now than there's ever been naturally.
1: Well, there's a lot of like cycles too.
0: Wildlife populations are are very dynamic. Yes.
1: So, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to look at all the, that's what I liked about being able to put together these, it was like, tells a story. Yeah. Just like reading a magazine article, it would just kind of unfold.
0: This reminds me of why I care so much about like these prairie remnants, because mm-hmm. these prairies and like you can tell if you know a little bit about geology and plant ecology, you can tell if, if they've ever been plowed, right? If they're original or if they've been altered. And like, there's a few areas in southeast Texas where, you, if you if you know a little bit about these things, you can tell this this prairie here. Has been the same for like the past 5,000 years. Yep. Has, hasn't been fucked up by humans yet. And like in my mind, I'm like, this is so incredibly valuable. Even if it's not like a big like piece of land that's supporting all this wildlife. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that the soil and the plants are intact. Yep. It like creates this such a value in my in my head that like we got to save it at all costs.
1: Well, and, and I mean, I've heard a few people say, we're not making any more dirt. Yeah. I mean, like the planet's not going to get any bigger. (laughs) Right. I mean, and I kind of, part of me kind of goes back to like the old farmer's almanac. And another class I took was peak oil, global warming, and resource scarcity. And it it was talked about like human populations. And I mean, I have, I mean, we're animals.
0: We are animals. And I have this belief that
1: it's the same as. Part of the ecosystem. Like cows, you should only put what is it like two cows on an acre or two of land if you're not going to feed them. So, how many humans does it take to mess up (laughs) an acre of land?
0: Yeah. Um, What other classes did you really enjoy? Um. To get it, you had a very interesting career. Yeah. So my degree choice.
1: There's only like nine people in America that have that degree.
0: (laughs) It's very very (laughs) specific and narrow.
1: It's kind of a random. Very niche. Um, so do you work in that field now, by the no, way? No, so I'm you, I am oil and gas. I'm in oil and gas and I'm an analyzer supervisor. I work in mechanical, but okay. I but will say the
0: environmental background gives you a lot of context and
1: Yes. and what I do feel like because I kind of dabbled in environmental a little bit in oil and gas. Okay. but I honestly feel like I have a bigger impact than I did as a environmental department person. In mechanical, because some of the equipment that my team um, works on is stuff that helps us prevent further pollution and yeah, helps right. manage right. what we're doing and keep it at a higher quality. So, I mean, if we're works able out. to do that, yeah. then to me, I'm, okay, I'm preventing pollution, so I'm yeah. helping. You're helping, yeah. Um, and so th- as
0: an environmentalist, you know, your hunting and stuff is also very important. Right, and, that.
1: and that's kind of been my, that's my outlet. Yeah. So that's where... I will go and I'll spend days punishing myself in a marsh because I won't sleep, but I will, (laughs) you know, get, so when I came back from Arkansas, I think we killed like two teal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's rough. (laughs) But you're out there, you're in nature. Yes. You're in the marsh. And
1: that's what I value is being out there in nature, enjoying myself. Um, If I get to pull the trigger, that's great. Right.
0: Have you ever done like any like scientific field work?
1: Um, so I got to help a little bit with some stuff with Texas parks and wildlife in school. Um, I did, I volunteered with some of the sea turtle research, um, looking for eggs and stuff like that. And then, um, we did some of our core samples were in West Galveston Bay and Trinity Bay. Right. So we did look at, Kind of what the conditions were there
0: what did what did you learn can you remember anything specific about that i'm not p- trying to put you on the um, spot <laughs> that was like nine years ago no no it's all good um, but anything that like stuck out or like I so i'm I interested in the texas coast a lot and the ge- the geologic history they of
1: were it. putting in these um they're it's like a concrete thing to help rebuild oyster belt beds okay yeah yeah and some of the stuff we were looking at was kind of like what's changed, okay, in like, like more biotic
0: like, conditions,
1: yeah, kind of like water acidic, yeah, is the pH changes right. did um is there something else other substances in the water that maybe weren't there twenty years ago?
0: yeah, you know what I learned today is Houston, the Houston ship channel has Higher mercury concentrations than anywhere else in <laughs> North America.
1: Yeah, and we eat. The
0: <laughs> and we, my buddy from A and M. Um, again, we talked about this earlier, but we're on a new <laughs> recording now. It's <laughs> like a clean slate. <laughs> uh, my buddy Keith, he's a PhD student at A and M. He's studying microplastics, but he knows a lot about eco toxicology. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, like, yeah, you probably shouldn't eat much around here, like in high quantities. But the thing is, we're, we we mainly eat waterfowl, and they're migratory. So, like, they're not going to have... I these. still eat a lot of fish. <laughs> the fish probably isn't great. But, uh, I mean, we're still hey. here breathing and living today. You know,
1: so. <laughs> I... Um, the last two years or so, so I guess like 2020, I have not gotten sick where I had to stay home from work since 2020. And it was like beginning of the year. So it's been like almost three years since I've gotten sick. And I think a lot of that goes back to, you know, the type of stuff that I'm eating and doing and, you know, I'm getting out in nature. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm doing stuff You're introduced that, to
0: various microbial.
1: Yeah. And things. it's kind of funny. Cause like when I was a kid, I remember, I did multiple like research papers in high school and stuff on is wild game better for you than store bought meat? And
0: <laughs> I think about this because I have gone, I'm now three weeks, almost three weeks into only eating wild game. And to me, it's more of a mental thing. It's like cool to only eat wild game. Okay. So you want to
1: be mind blown?
0: But I'm skeptical that it's actually better for me.
1: I think it enlighten me. I think it is. Okay. Because is there evidence.
0: I'm an evidence uh, when, i'm a data when i minded went, person
1: i can give you a personal experience that i blame on this <laughs> when i went to stephen f austin um we had to eat the cafeteria food
0: it's fucking disgusting
1: it well i mean it didn't taste great but that was the first time in my life i wasn't on a 90 percent wild game diet okay i grew up hunting that's was,
0: you, y'all ate a lot of game that's okay. all we Just,
1: had was like deer meat
0: a big misconception a lot of people don't understand they think a lot of hunters they're like they kill us stuff but like can they really eat all of it. Oh, we eat a, all of it. Lo- I know a lot of people that like, they save a lot of money on an annual basis from deer and, and the various ducks they When eat and shoot and,
1: I'm big on, I don't like to grocery shop. So I yeah. get HelloFresh and I started doing the vegetarian options and then putting put my in meat. meat in it. And then well, like, they want you to make fajitas with sweet potatoes. I'm just going to save those two sweet potatoes that, and yeah. make something later. And I'm going to put my ducks in well, that if, taco.
0: If you're a penny pincher, like we're already spending a lot of money on hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, well, especially people like you with a nice boat and all this <laughs> stuff. I'm just a public land warrior that drives a Rav4, very cheap, as cheap as possible. I was, but, uh, there, I was there once. I, was, I uh,
1: we've we've had to work. You gotta work to get your here. way up.
0: I, someday I'll get there. I would love my own boat, but uh, I got to get a truck first. I, I need to get. Another, I had a truck. I've always had a truck, but currently do not. But um, I
1: went through my SUV phase; it was a good phase. It ain't bad.
0: I took my back seats out; and yeah. basically functions yeah, like fine. a truck. Yeah, I put gators back there and stuff. Uh, but what I was saying was, um, I'm trying to like it's already expensive enough. Yep, might as well cut your food costs and get as much meat as you can off of the game mm-hmm. you harvest. And I mean, there's I've,
1: so many things you can do in with the past it.
0: two and a half, three weeks. I've eaten probably a total of three geese and probably. Eight ducks? That's got me through? I don't, I mean...
1: Well, it's just me and my husband. I don't have kids, so it's pretty easy for... single,
0: so it's really easy for me.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's gotten pretty funny, too. There's been a few times where people are like, oh, because y'all didn't really kill that many... Well, it's just me and Paul. Yeah. I mean, two ducks is dinner.
0: But the thing, one thing I will add, though, is... The return on investment on ducks is very low <laughs> compared to deer and hogs. Well, hogs so, is the highest because that's. So we, you right, can hunt them year round. Currently
1: like, in my garage, I've got a deer and two hogs and a cooler. <laughs> I gotta take to lot Harrington's lot later. I gotta get them processed. Uh, yeah. Well, so, I mean, I don't want this to be a, a commercial for Harrington's, but oh my gosh, I love their seasonings. Did, yeah. We have the stuff to process our own meat.
0: You just like to get that.
1: Their stuff tastes so good. Yeah. That I have, I mean, we've done small things, but I've pretty much switched to going there right. exclusively because it's been so good. I haven't had anything there that I didn't like yet. Right. And they've got like 10 different sausage flavors. So it's like, I haven't tried it all yet. <laughs> We're going to get something. I'm going to have some think jerky done with this deer. And then um, I think I'm going to get like some breakfast sausage or what something. What do you
0: do with pigs you shoot?
1: whatever i'll make sausage, sausage. do like some, There's some stuff
0: you you don't really have to like what about their backstrap can you yeah, just cook so them like as they'll normal?
1: tenderize them and do like pork loin kind of thing okay, yeah. um we'll get little steaks made out of parts of the deer and the pig um we've done roasts okay. um so like deer neck you can put in a crock pot Oh, just really? Like people, the,
0: most people don't use the neck. Yeah, just or cut, the ribs for that matter. Cut
1: the neck off. Now, sometimes depending on, so if you got like a big deer, like a Kansas or whatever kind of deer, I bet you could do ribs just like yeah. a pig or cow or anything. But
0: or Texas deer, just, just not a lot. We got
1: scrawny ones, so I mean. there's
0: probably enough there to get a meal. You no? could probably it's get too much work for.
1: It depends. I so I've seen some deer that when I was cleaning it, I was like, "Dad, look at all this good meat." And then yeah. I've seen some that I'm like, "There's nothing there." there. Yeah. So, I would say it would depend, but right. we try to maximize whatever we've got and, you it, know, based off our meals, we're going to part eat. of
0: respecting the resource, too. I yeah. Think. When I see people like waste mm-hmm. wild game me, I'm like, that is such, so disrespectful. You yeah.
1: Know? I mean, I just, it is also, you're
0: wasting money. That's like meals you're just throwing out into the woods. Yeah. You know, add it up, you're probably wasting hundreds of dollars a year.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, I mean, thousands.
0: Yeah.
1: Probably that. I mean, think about
0: meat is so expensive.
1: In, a lot. I mean, a lot of people don't realize most of Texas, if you're going to deer hunt, it's leases. Yeah. And those are not cheap.
0: Yeah. There's plenty of public land out there, but it's yeah, tough, though. It's, deer hunting on public land is yes, tough. Yes, it's
1: very yeah. tough. And some of them... It's
0: worth it, though, for a lot of people.
1: So we have some spots in Southeast Texas, I've heard, that are pretty okay yeah. for, like, bow hunting. Right. Not necessarily rifle.
0: Up in Hardin County. And yeah. Stuff, yeah.
1: There's some stuff in West Texas, I believe, still. The, and, like, the panhandle. Right. That you can do rifle. Draught hunts, Yeah, been, but yeah. it's mostly draws. Yeah. Mule deer. No, you have to walk in. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, one of my friend's parents went on one of these. You have to, like, you can bring a bicycle with, like, a wagon behind it.
0: Really?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine, like, dragging something out? Like, I, uh before we got our ranger, I had this like backpack thing that you could tie a deer to and like drag it to the road, just in case like I shot something right. and my parents were not available to help to me. Yeah. But that's what the other thing I've really liked about waterfowl is it's um, easy. I can do it. Yeah. By myself. Yeah. Very easy. Um, they're You know, the ducks are not 150 pounds. Yeah. So,
0: if you get a pile of geese, it's yeah. a freaking haul though. <laughs> I was. We shot like six geese uh, out at Jay's place. And I, like, I was like, hey, I'll, I'll carry them out. Yeah. It's like a 100-yard walk. Uh, I was dying. I was surprised with like how heavy. Geese.
1: When we were hunting specks, they're I was like
0: 20 pounds a piece, nope. So, like, you get five, six of them. They're You're freaking, like, oh, crap. That added up quick. Yeah. But they taste so good. They are good. I love good. the taste of geese. I don't know why people say snow geese don't taste good.
1: I point. I don't people I'm,
0: are lazy. That's the problem. they I shoot is. Hundreds of snow geese during conservation season, and they're just trying to give themselves a good reason to not have to clean them all. So they're like, "Oh, they just taste like shit," and they toss them. Meh. This is part of the problem with you know talking about. I don't I don't even know if it was on this recording or the last <laughs> one, but uh, <laughs> I know like, I'm kind
1: of getting mixed up. Trying
0: to get more hunters to to view themselves as conservationists yes. and actually really really truly care about these resources. Yep, because we should not take them for granted. Nope. We almost didn't have opportunities to hunt if it weren't for conservation-minded hunters back in the, you know, late 1800s into the 1900s. I mean, it Guys was
1: after, like, like what, the bison, and there was bison, a few other big like, kills that really kind of— Big game really were low.
0: Like, waterfowl were low. Shorebirds were getting killed for their feathers like crazy. Which,
1: which is kind of funny because, like, shorebirds. I
0: know. Right? There's a book in here that's um, about Texas waterfowl history. Actually, maybe it's a different one. There's there's two or three different books we have in here that are all about waterfowl history, mm-hmm. and one of them talks about how, like shorebird decoys and how we used to hunt shorebirds back in the day. <laughs> like that was part of the waterfowl hunting culture, was shorebirds and I'm they would eat them and if they would taste good. like I bet they probably do. I mean, uh, I like, a curlew? guarantee you that thing tastes good or like rails definitely taste good.
1: It I can't be, taste bad. I mean, I haven't had a bad duck or I right? I eat coup-
0: I, I want to eat mm. coot so bad. I've never Not tried it. Not in them,
1: a gumbo. Like, I just normal, ate it just like a regular. Uh, the
0: breast meat's kind of lacking, but it tastes good. Yeah, but, I don't feel like it's. The leg meat probably. So, the,
1: really the breast meat's smaller like a teal. Yeah. So, I mean. But
0: it's it, there's enough there for. Yeah, yeah.
1: You can make tacos.
0: That's good to know. I always thought I would just take the legs and eat, eat the legs. Because no, they I'm, have meaty legs. I think that what
1: I'm going to do, actually, is um, we're we're I think I'm going to make like some boudin. Yeah. And I think the seasonings and the texture, and since you grind up the meat anyways, right. I think it'll be good. Um, we had some duck boudin this past year that my uncle made. And so, you know how like, sometimes like you shoot one and it's kind of like mutilated. Yeah, you know so what to do with it. Yeah. I've been trying to like carefully still get that out. And get even some, though yeah. I couldn't necessarily nicely pan sear it or whatever. I can, can grind it up and brand. so we've got like some duck that we've stuck in the freezer and we marked it like boudin.
0: You can use the hearts for that too. The hearts taste very good. Okay, I love the hearts. Really, I just like when I'm cleaning ducks, I'll place them to the side, <laughs> and I'll just like cook them like right then and there. Really, just
1: like that fresh, on. just a little yeah. little snack. A little snack. Okay, I gotta tell my husband that
0: it tastes like it's, it's like the best tasting meat on a duck. Really? really, it's just so small. It's like not worth it.
1: Oh. It's like eating crawfish. Yeah, basically. (laughs) That's what I have a hard time when people are like, oh, it's not that much. It's not like, do you eat crawfish? You've got to work so hard for crawfish. It's like this much.
0: Kelsey, we're nearing one hour. I think we should probably (laughs) play it safe and uh, end it there. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you. This has been fun.
0: Yeah, you did great. This is your first time and you did excellent. Yeah, I've
1: never been on a podcast before.
0: All right. Thank you so much. We're going to end it right there.